0: Welcome to Reviving the Fire, I'm Jeff. This is the show where I give relevant messages about faith from the Word of God so that you can navigate through all the twists and turns that this crazy life brings. And it's also where we discover together how to keep your fire for Jesus burning bright. All right, let's do this. Hey, welcome to another episode of Reviving the Fire with Jeff Saxton. Hope you guys are excited. Today I want to talk about filters. Gotta love them. Gotta love filters. If you've owned a home or even been in an apartment, you'll remember that once or twice a year, or actually they say even every three or four months, you're supposed to change your filter of your furnace. How many of you guys ever do that? One year, my wife and I were at uh, this apartment complex, and we noticed that uh, they weren't taking care of these filters in the furnaces. For um, for months and months, in fact, almost a year went by, and finally, I just went and replaced it myself. Only to find out that the person before us, which actually probably was the builders, because nobody lived, we were the first ones to to live in these apartments. But they had put the filter in a totally different place than we're supposed to be, and it was halfway sucked up into the flume. So for the first year of this apartment, my wife and I, we did not get filtered. Air, you know, filtered with all the little impurities and junk in the air. I mean, we got junk for for the entire year. And it took another year to even clean out some of the, I mean, every, every little outlet where there was air intake had lots of extra dust and all this stuff. It just was a disaster. But I just can't believe that people that were in charge of uh, taking care of the maintenance uh, didn't even know where to put the filter. And thank God I had a little experience in putting in air filters and I knew where and, oh, that's another thing. You know, there's directions. Like, you can't just be one side or the other. I mean, it's got to be one side's up, one side's down. So you got to make sure you're putting it in the right direction. So all those things are really crazy. A lot of bad things happen when you don't change your filter. Another type of filter in today's world is when you put on sunglasses. You know, we've all got these different shades I know I like my dark shade shade glasses. Um, I've worn some of the amber. They're okay. Blue are really nice, you know. But it's interesting, isn't it? When you look through these other glasses, then every everything looks blue or everything looks amber or everything looks like dark gray. You could forget that you're actually walking around with, with your filtered glasses on and uh, it really doesn't look the way you think it does. It's only until someone tells us, "Hey, you got your glasses on." What? Oh, <laughs> I forgot I even had these. You take your glasses off. Suddenly, real colors appear and you, you didn't realize, "Oh my gosh. This is what it looks like out here today." And that's kind of how life is for for many of us. There is a spiritual vision that really we all have. It's a not like, you know, physical eyesight or physical sight, but a spiritual sight. And Everybody sees spiritual things a little bit differently, and I don't think most people think there's a right and wrong answer. They just think, well, I think this, you think that, and they maybe really don't care a whole lot about it. I I was that way for quite a few years, almost when I was 19 years old, uh, when I really became a Christian that I even cared about it in the first place. You know, now I realize um, everybody has these filters on when it comes to spiritual truth. Most of us have grown up at least hearing something about spiritual truth, that wasn't necessarily taught with someone who had a, you know, filter-free lens, but they had their own filter, and now they're teaching you things, but not necessarily the way it really is, but how they see it, because that the one reason they see it that way is they were given these filters to use. And sometimes we feel safe with these filters. Sometimes we feel, man, a whole denomination is built with these filters, and yet it's not true, you know. I remember one time when I was talking to um, someone I'd met, a few of my friends who met somebody at this Burger King. And he had a particular filter that he grew up with in his church background or however, wherever he went. And he did believe that the Bible was true. So that's one thing. But he did not believe it said anywhere in the Bible that you have to be born again. And then my friend said, well, you mean John three three? And he's like, what? And he goes, well, it says that exactly in John three three. And he goes, it does not. And he goes, yes, it does. It does not. Do. He goes, do you have a Bible? And my friend, of course, did. Yeah. And he goes, let me see it. And he he literally did not think he, that phrase is in the Bible. He was taught that it was not in the Bible. And when he read it, he just dropped his jaw. And, you know, you never know how people are going to react. But he had no reaction. He wasn't mad. He was just, like, stunned as if he found out he owed a million dollars. I mean, he just was undone he actually took the bible and he was gone for almost an hour then he came back and he had the bible he still was reading the bible for himself a year oh an hour later so what happened there is someone we came across didn't think they were wearing filters they thought what they believed was the right one and they thought we were the ones with these filters on but when we showed him the truth and he saw for himself he was absolutely dumbfounded that he's the one that had the wrong filter on at the end of the day only only the holy spirit can give us revelation. Jesus that's why Jesus said in John 13 that it'd be better that the comforter or the holy spirit comes when Jesus was telling his disciples that last week that he was alive he was telling them at the last supper, hey, you know. This is the last supper and I'm going to be going back to my father and they just didn't understand what he what he was saying. But of course Jesus knew he was going to go through this crucifixion and the whole thing. He knew it. For, he, he told them three years ago when he started uh, his ministry. So he's, he knew it all along. Of course, you'd, you don't want to believe that something like that actually is going to happen. But he was telling his disciples this and telling them what was true and that when he left them, they would not be all alone like orphans, but that the Holy Spirit would now begin to do what he was doing and the Holy Spirit will teach them all things. Now, in a way... People can teach us, but it's actually the Holy Spirit that gives revelation of that teaching. To this day, that that is really how God teaches you and I. He, he We can be taught the truth, but the Holy Spirit gives revelation to us to understand this spiritual truth in a whole newer way or deeper way or, or actually filter-free way. Pretty exciting. Now, if you're like me and you probably grew up in some type of a particular denomination, or or maybe no denomination, but I grew up in a larger denomination that pe- people know about. And so a lot of my friends believed the same thing I did, in which was certain things were true in this particular denomination. One of them was uh, that you had to be baptized as, as a baby. So if you're baptized as an infant, then you are guaranteed heaven. In fact, that's how they interpreted what, Jesus said what it meant to be born again. I even remember asking at least once someone there, hey, you know, don't we need to be born again? I mean, it's great that we're getting baptized as a baby, but that's not what saves us. And they were like, oh, no, you're wrong. That's what saves you. You know, and I believed that for a long time. And uh, maybe you're listening today and, and you believe that. I don't shame you for it because I used to believe that. But you got to ask yourself, why? Why do you believe it? Why do you believe whatever it is you believe? Why do you believe it? Next question is, are you absolutely 100% sure what you believe is the truth? And then the last thing I need to say is, since we all have filters, no matter what you think, you're best off, next time you get in, you get to read the Bible, keep something in mind that you be willing to take off any filters that you discover as you're reading the Bible and as the Holy Spirit teaches you, that's when you're gonna know if you have a filter on or not And you know no one has to show you this actually it's kind of cool if you' if you truly if you truly seek the truth, then you'll find it. It's just like scientists. Uh, when you get a scientist who is willing to change his views or even teach something new based on what he discovers, you know when he can go to that scientific experiment and be willing to set aside his own personal prejudices to discover, the truth, when we can do that, that, that's called the scientific method. And when we can do that, that's when we progress as a society. That's when we progress as a people. We progress as a family, even and as a person. The more and more and more we do that, we keep taking filters off and keep letting the data give us the final say, or or something as close to data as possible, then, then we're better off. But a lot of things that are really important in life, like spiritual truth you know, there's not data for. Now, there is data for certain things that are kind of secondary, uh, like, you know, was Jesus a real person? You know, did he really die on the cross? Did he, was he, did he raise from the dead? Uh, did uh, the 12 disciples believe Christ afterward? Did they really, you know, spend 30, 40 years after he died and was rose again? Did they spend the rest of their lives preaching the gospel and telling everybody that Jesus rose again? Would they all do that for 40 years if they hadn't for sure seen him? <laughs> you know, those are all those are all things that, it's secondary truths. We have to really take a look at everything. Now, the fact is, disciple means learner. So if you're a disciple, you're a learner. And when you stop being a learner, you stop being a disciple. And learners can't just lock in to what you're taught and kind of lock in. It's okay. Now, here's how I was taught don't anyone mess with me now, <laughs> you know, now don't mess with what I was taught, um, I'm believing this, I mean, all these people, thousands, millions of people wouldn't, wouldn't be wrong, I'm locking in, I'll leave it alone, and let me go on with my life, and that's, that's how we can all be at times, but that's really not a safe place, it seems like that's the safe play, but it's not at all, but it's very common, I did it, I still do it at times, we all do it at times, I think, we come across a passage, we're challenged by what people are telling us it means versus what we really think it means or what maybe God might show us what it means. Not everyone is as confident as maybe I would be or some other people of just reading the Bible and just letting the Lord show them what things mean. But it's not so much because someone knows so much. Like I, my knowledge of what I've gained in the last decades, you know, as a a mature Christian, that's not what makes me secure in terms of being a learner. I mean, when I was 18, I started this. I started doing this habit when I was 18. I think I was actually even better at it when I was 18 than even now. I was probably at a a more vibrant, a more teachable place as an 18-year-old than I am now, but I still try to be teachable, you know. What happens over time is, you know, the Word of God proves itself over and over again in your life if you're following Christ. Again, if you're not following Christ, then... This is really all just kind of trivia. You know, it really is. Because until you're following Christ, you're not really personally obeying all the stuff that you're believing. In, 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 uh, in many places in the Bible, it, it really warns against that. Like, don't just get knowledge for knowledge's sake. Because the devil, James says, even the devils believe. They have all the right stuff. They believe all the ra- right things. They've got all the truth. And they're going to hell. So having all the right truth doesn't do anything for us. It just gives us an opportunity to make a change. The opportunity to see something and choose life. But again, we could see it and then not choose to go the direction of life. Like most people do in this world. So you and I have to act differently than a lot of people in this world. And they're going to call us foolish. They're going to call us, you know, dumb, uneducated, but Again, um, the reason they say that is they're spiritually dulled or they live in a way that they compartmentalize, they recognize lies and they embrace them out of fear, other kinds of strange fears, you know, even demonic fears that keep them bound. So everybody's got their own choice here and you've really got to decide for yourself. You know, for with decades of youth ministry that I did. You know, you you see this happen life after life after life, person after person. I've seen many families transformed by the faith of their children. I've seen many parents decide to come attend the church because they were so amazed by the changes in their teenager or even younger than a teenager in junior high or something. And they want to know what was going on. Many times experienced the same transformation that their kids were. And then they kind of had a whole new life together and a, they're set free in different ways, personally and as a family. So it's just really exciting what the truth can do. See, you can be set free. You can be transformed. You can be delivered of all kinds of things, even generational things. Some people get ultra, ultra free and really strong because again, they're, they're a great student of yes, the Bible, but really of, of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, revealing to them what's truth. Every time you read the Bible, there there are, you can read it from the standpoint of just content, you know, and what it means. And, oh, is this a, is this a poem, or is this historical writing, or is this a narrative, or is this foretelling some futuristic type of language, or what, what kind of writing is this? But beyond that, there's a whole other level that we all have to do, and that's to know What the spiritual truth is in whatever it is we're reading, I have a feeling that we're all kind of wrapped up like these denominations are. We are also, we've all got some filters on. It's kind of getting in our way, and we have to come up to this place where we're willing to set aside those filters and embrace the new embrace the new truth that we come to understand. Here's the thing, guys: you have to realize that at a certain point in your in your walk with Christ. To be a true follower of Christ, you're going to have various kinds of baggage come to mind. You're going to see things that are in your past or maybe in your family. You're going to see different strongholds, maybe even. You're going to see things that you've always believed because someone taught it, and then you decide, you know, that's not even true. Why did I ever believe that and decide not to believe it anymore? Whatever you believe, here's, here's what I th- want to encourage you today in okay is that whatever you believe this is true of not only spiritual truth but just anything whatever you believe make sure you know why don't just believe things because you were taught that that's i want to say brainwashing because that's kind of an overstatement it's not brainwashing but when we just believe something because that's what we're told you know it's not true learning really anything even science even math even you know when you can understand it for yourself and you know the why and it makes sense to you, then you've learned it, right? But until that, you're just kind of taking somebody else's word for it. It's kind of like someone has told you what to believe and and that really don't question it and safety is in what we say. And, you know, this is really, really blocking a lot of people's growth. It, it blocks learning, even Even the Bible itself, you know, and and a lot of folks, they stop reading the Bible because they're afraid to learn from self, and they just lock on to a certain denomination or a certain teacher. Cults do this, and so do do we Christians at times, if we're being honest, is we think we need to tell people what to believe and not why. Um, There's two totally different ways of of doing ministry, and uh, one is just telling people what to believe and not giving them any details. You know, I learned that once kids were getting to college, this was all falling apart because they were going to college and suddenly the professors or whoever else is getting up there and just absolutely destroying what they were told to believe from their church. And it's just, they were, it was overwhelming because they were not given the why. They were not taught why. They're, therefore, when they listen to that professor say, anyone here who believes in God is a fool, you know, they believe it. Kind of fun story. Uh, As a youth pastor, I've heard enough of my youth going to college and coming back with the same story, and I just got tired of it. And again, I thought, well, what is true? Let's just say they're, maybe they're right. Maybe anybody who teaches that there's a God, or anyone who believes in a God, or God, is a fool. And um, I came across the modern era's 100 most influential people. So it you know, the last most influential people of not just the last century, but many centuries, but probably the last, you know, modern era ever since Christ, and even a little bit before him. So it had the top 100, and of course, Jesus was listed at one of the top, and other people were as well. But what I found really interesting was that of these 100 most influential people ever, Thomas Edison on there also, and Einstein, yes, I was just blown away to find 75% of the top 100 most influential people of the modern era believed in God. Believed there was a God, sometimes prayed to God. And this professor over here just told everybody in his class that anybody who believes there is a God is a fool. And, uh, and so I typed it up, I gave it to my students, and I said, hey, go take this uh, The next time this professor says that, you go up to him and say, hey, Professor, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, it would be kind of interesting if you could do it publicly, but maybe that would be a little too offensive. Um, so some students maybe didn't have the fortitude to handle that. So I said, well, then just go up to him, you know, after the class. Just say, hey, Professor, um, you know, no offense, but you just called these following 75 people fools. Einstein on down. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that these people are correct necessarily. But what it means is a professor shouldn't stand up there and say, you know, either either you have belief in mathematics and physics and science and archaeology, or you're a fool. No, those are not the only two choices. And so that in itself is another form of of brainwashing. That's another form of telling people what to believe and not giving them the why. Kind of coming from the other angle. You know, but we in the church, we still do the same kinds of things or can. But it's very powerful. And I really want to challenge you guys, um, even this week, to start out. And I know it's scary to embrace truth for yourself. I mean, it really is. Uh, it's not anymore for me, but I remember when it was, my when I was a brand new Christian, especially, and I just started to read the Bible for myself. I mean, I think I went almost six months before I even would had the guts to read the Bible for myself. I have no idea why. Well, yes, I do. Because of the, the filters. You know, I have what my denomination said. I have uh, other friends said. I have, you know, un, unsaved, you know, atheist so-and-so, best friend, what they said. I did have actually a lot of filters that I had to realize we're blocking me. And once we see that we do have those filters, we can begin to learn. Now, there are a lot of people saying a lot of things. In in you can go on YouTube and find so many different views on every Christian truth about everything. And a lot of these teachers who teach whatever they teach are also teaching that everybody who doesn't teach it exactly the way they do are all false teachers. And two things. One, a false teacher is not someone who teaches anything different than you. <laughs> okay. A false teacher is not someone who teaches any secondary truth in the scripture like a secondary truth is something that is is a, a truth that doesn't save or damn you, you know. Like if you believe that that dogs are gonna to go to heaven, well there's no scriptural basis for that necessarily, but somebody might have some. At the end of the day, that's not gonna send them to hell. So that's not a false teacher. Now a false teacher would be Someone that said only dogs are going to heaven and no, not people. Okay, well now you're now you're now you're teaching something that's not true and it also can be damaging eternally to people. If you believe in a, a thousand year reign, all Christians are going to reign with Jesus for a thousand years, and someone else believes in just a two year reign. You know, those are not those beliefs. Though one of them may be very wrong, they're not going to send someone to hell. But if you teach that Christ isn't the way or we don't need to be saved or that there is not sin in our hearts that we need something, we need Christ's forgiveness, we need a transformation, we need to be born again. If you teach those things, then that is damning. That is eternally damning. That is not the gospel. And that is what Paul calls false teachers in the New Testament. So false teachers... At the end of the day, they are not people that teach everything differently or one thing differently than what we teach, but they're people that teach something that's eternally damning to the other people. Does that make sense? It's really important because, see, for this reason, denominations, different denominational people should be able to hang out together and even do a few, you know, Christian things together. Like, I ought to be able to hang out with the Baptists just because I don't believe everything they believe. Or I ought to be able to hang out with Methodists just because I believe some things differently than them. I ought to be able to hang out with a Catholic just because they see things this way and I see things that way. Now, I could be hanging out with a, a Lutheran who believes that babies are, you know, if you're baptized as a baby, you're good. Now, that is that is something I would have a hard time with. That is something that is dangerous. But again, not every Lutheran believes that. And the other thing is, when we are teaching something, I like to attack theories, concepts, false teachings, I don't really like to call out false teachers all day long all the time. I think that's really wearisome, number one. Number two, I'm just wondering why are people doing this really? You know, and number three, we're, we're doing this in the public venue where the world who doesn't even know anything about Christ, doesn't believe the Bible, they're sitting there listening to us publicly looking, wow, well, who's saved? Who's not? Everybody's against everybody, I guess. It's just a bad look, guys, isn't it? And thirdly, there is scripture that, that teaches we should go to our brother or or even take another person with us and go to them in private first before we publicly condemn them. But even that is not a a condemning them to hell as a false teacher. In 1 Corinthians where Paul says to remove the sinful person, he also says in 2 Corinthians, okay, you've removed this person, they have repented, now they have a repentant heart. Bring them back into church now, because they're still your brother. In other words, they didn't lose their salvation. So, yeah, we we um, we really need to change how we're doing this. And number one, number two, a lot of the people who are doing this, with calling other people false teachers, are are looking through filters themselves. They've got a big plank in their face. You know, now you've got to recognize your plank and get rid of your plank, and that doesn't mean you were wrong you could be right. That person's got some specks that are partially blinding them, but now you've got rid of your plank and now you can actually help them to see properly. So that's that's what we got to do today. And that's I'm, I'm done with the message. Hope you like this. Hope it rings true. Hope you get something out of this. Um, let's do better. And let's look at our own selves mainly uh, as far as taking filters off or taking planks out of our eyes so we can clearly see the Word of God. We'll clearly see the truth and then we can can do better jobs of helping our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's all we got time for today, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to our next time together. Until then, we'll see you later. Well, that is about all the time we have for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for the next edition of Reviving the Fire with Jeff Saxton.